Thank you for having me. Good to see you all again. This is fun for me to come here because I feel like I meet someone new every time I'm able to to be a part of uh, this congregation. And it's a beautiful thing because we're all connected in Christ Jesus. And so uh, one of the things that that I'm going to do today is is walk through a passage in 2 Thessalonians. And part of that is the relationship aspect that undergirds that fellowship in Thessalonica with the Apostle Paul. And so it's exciting to build relationships with other churches and continue to encourage people to remain steadfast in the faith no matter where you might be, um, Cairo, Egypt, or Bernie, uh, Texas. And so the word of the Lord uh, doesn't return void and is powerful and true, authoritative. Um, It is the very revelation of God uh, the spoken word given to the apostles and prophets, um, the establishment of the church to proclaim Christ, the, the word that is, that is so uh, nourishing and, and important to our souls. And so um, sometimes we forget that that word wasn't always in written form in the first century. And it was delivered by spoken word and the traditions that were taught and relayed from Paul um, with Barnabas and Silas and Timothy and those guys as they shared the word to different congregations. And that was a treasured thing for them. And so uh, I thought as we stand and read the word in just a second, um, I actually have a little satchel bag back there with, um, with, with a letter. And it's a letter. It's the letter from, uh, from Paul, uh, Silas, and Timothy written to the church at Thessalonica. And so if you can imagine this church in Thessalonica, which is um, in, in uh, Macedonia and Greece. And so Paul was on his second missionary journey when he first met these people. And he had left because of persecution. And he wrote a first letter, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And then he wrote a second letter. And so this was a treasured thing to come to them. And so if you can imagine, um, Andrew, will you do me a favor? Now you're awake. No, I'm just kidding. You're awake. Um, Will you bring that bag behind you up here, please? So the congregations would gather together and the word of the Lord would be brought to them, a treasured word from Paul. And, um, you know, it's, it's really a simple illustration, but it kind of helps us see the value of God's word. And this is, this is the letter. So First and Second Thessalonians, this is something that... Uh, is just the actual book. So I want you to turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to read the first 12 verses, if you'll stand with me. So 2 Thessalonians, Paul, Savannah, and Timothy... To the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in, in, in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also 
suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as, uh, as, well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, invict- inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Let's, let's, let's begin with prayer. Lord, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to read your word. And Father, as I've prayed, I, I continue to pray that, um, that this time would be encouraging, uh, that we would learn, uh, that we would grow, uh, that you would do your work uh, with your word through us. As your scripture says, uh, that your spirit would, would use it to um, convict us, to encourage us, to motivate us. Uh, just as our sister in the Lord shared her experience in Cairo, Egypt, um, may things like that, uh, may experiences that we have from other brothers and sisters, may the, um, uh, the letter written by Paul, his experiences with the church at Thessalonica, be an encouragement to these brothers and sisters in Bernie as we seek to be faithful to you, as we seek to uh, grow in our faith and as we seek to love one another. Uh, and, and our ultimate goal, Lord, would be to glorify you, that Christ might be known, that the word of the Lord would speed ahead and that we would be faithful through it all. And we ask that uh, you would be um, glorified in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul was one in which he was entrusted with the gospel and he spoke the word of God and he came um, to the people of Thessalonica to, to give them this Word. He established the church there, but later he wrote the, the second uh, letter to the Thessalonians to encourage them uh, in the midst of continued suffering. And uh, sometimes talking about suffering is hard because we don't seem to always suffer so much, or we wonder um, why aren't we suffering. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about those things. But first, I want to just give a, a little illustration. Years ago, I attempted to plant some bushes in the far back part of my yard, and my goal was to kind of create a little, I guess, privacy bush or whatever in the back, and um, as I'm saying that that, that, that may be part of our problem, too. We always want to be private, right? So that's not a good example, but anyway, maybe the Lord was teaching me something in there because I planted 24 bushes where I went to this place, and they're like, yeah, it's great. It grows great in Texas, and so I dug 24 holes with a jackhammer. Um, no joke. It took like a week. And um, digging up rocks, and maybe that was my first clue. It probably wasn't going to work. But out of the 24, a couple years later, one has survived. <laughs> and its roots, I think, are pretty firm. And it's gone through, as you know, living out here, it's gone through drought. Um, it has gone through 
cold. Um, it's gone through lack of rain. It's gone through lots of rain. And uh, I think its roots are firmly established. It's pretty solid. And uh, through those trials, through those storms, through those drought, it's, it's been proven that it's, it's the real deal. So um, I say that because likewise, when, when God saves us, not by our, our works, uh, but through faith in Christ, we're securely rooted in Him. And that means uh, that no matter the pain, no matter the, the, the changing circumstances, He will keep and hold us fast. You know, we don't, we don't have to worry. Um, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Romans 8 says, a, says that. And, but in part, part of the way God shows and strengthens who is firmly root, part of the way God grows us is by taking us through trials. And through that, it proves and shows those who are connected to Him. So um, it's not a matter of works that you go through trials and sufferings so that you might be saved. But as you go through trials and sufferings, your clinging to your faith in Christ is part of your growth and part of the perseverance that God um, enables you to do as people who are in Christ Jesus. And so how do we, how do we respond when trials come? Uh, how am I when life throws a curveball? Well, what areas of your life, of my life, does God need to continue to refine, you know, to sanctify? 1 Thessalonians 4 talks about this is God's will, your sanctification, that you be set apart um, and, and that you live that out. So what areas in your Christian life does God need to continue to refine, continue to sanctify in light of Christ coming back? So that's the deal. Christ is coming back, and sometimes we say that and we get kind of desensitized to that, but Christ is coming back, and it's, He's coming back soon. And how are we to act in light of His imminent return? Where in our life, where in my life can I boldly trust God in the midst of whatever might be going on. And a lot of that is just, who can I love more? Look around the people in this congregation. Look in your family. Look at your job. Where, where can you love more? Uh, what work of faith can, can we begin to bathe in prayer this very moment that God might be calling you towards? And so the text is 2 Thessalonians 1, uh, 1 through 12. And Paul gives... Praise to God for believers who continue to remain steadfast. So this is the, kind of the main subject. Paul gives praise to God for believers who continue to remain steadfast. That means that their faith is growing. Their love is increasing. They continue to remain steadfast in the midst of affliction. And he prays that God would make them worthy of his calling. And so my question to you is, are you worthy of His calling? Are you worthy of the calling that God has given to you if you've placed your faith in Christ? Because the answer to that is yes. If you are in Christ, then you are worthy of His calling. But that isn't a complacent, yes, I'm worthy. It's I'm worthy and now God's going to begin to work in me, through me, put me in places across the world, put me in places throughout uh, my week where I'm going to be um, tested. I'm, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to, to grow. I'm going to need to trust. I'm going to need to love people more. And Paul gives this letter to encourage 
the, the uh, people of Thessalonica to continue, to continue to love, to continue to grow. They're doing a great job, but keep going. Remain steadfast. Nothing you do is in vain. Continue along those lines. And so he, he begins his letter, like most of his letters, with a greeting. And the greeting in verse 1 reads, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. So Silvanus is a, another uh, name for uh, Silas. Is it a variant of that. And Silas and Timothy became Paul's partners in the gospel and along their second missionary journey. And so we'll talk about that in just a little bit. So the letter is written, authored by Paul, written in his own hand, but ultimately coming from Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... Um, let me, let me talk for a second about the background to this. So, but before I do that, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians is built upon the relationship that Paul began with this church in Thessalonica. So this was his second missionary journey. If you can remember, um, Acts 13, 14 was his first missionary journey. Paul and, um, uh, uh, who am I thinking of? Um, the, the man of encouragement. Why can't I think of his name? Barnabas, thank you. Um, Paul and Barnabas went on his first, their first missionary journey, and they made many disciples. And so they came back through Antioch. There was um, some discussion on how to deal with Gentiles in Acts 15, and they were encouraged that um, the Lord was using Paul to reach the Gentiles as well. And so they chose some men to go back with Paul and Barnabas, and that was one of those men was Silas um, or Savanus. And they sent them to Antioch to continue that encouragement. And so when Paul was back in Antioch, they decided to go and strengthen the churches again. And so, uh, but Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. Paul didn't think that was a great idea because John had withdrawn from them on their first missionary journey. They kind of had a sharp disagreement. And so they decided to part ways. Barnabas took John Mark and sailed off. And then Paul took Silas and he went up north through the areas that he had been before, and he began to strengthen the churches. And so that was part of his, his ministry, and he began to strengthen the churches and, and go along that second missionary journey. And he came to the edge of an ocean and had a vision of a man from Macedonia. And so he concluded that that, that is where he should take the gospel. That was part of his work of faith, his resolve. And he trusted the Lord, and he went, and he did it, and he did it, and he did it. Sometimes we think, and we think, and we think, and we never do, do, do. Uh, that's part of what the Lord's teaching me. Just go. Just do something. Um, we have a million options in our lives. Just go to the grocery store. It's, 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 it's frightening. Can't make any decision on cereal because there's five million of them. But just pick one. The Lord, uh, the Lord uh, moved Paul to go to Macedonia, and he blessed that. And um, he began a church in Philippi where there was a lot of uh, uh, persecution, but there was great joy. How do you have joy when, when you get persecuted? You know, read through um, church history and this, the, the joy that people had because they were considered worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. And eventually, around in Greece, they started, um, Timothy and <clears throat> Silas and Paul uh, met this church at Thessalonica. And it says, for three Sabbaths in Acts, 15, uh, or Acts 17, they, they came and there uh, Paul 
reasoned from the scriptures for three Sabbaths, which typically they think, okay, three Sabbaths for three weekends, three weeks he was there. And so he established this church and developed relationships for three weeks. Could mean that he was there longer. Maybe that was just the part of <clears throat> that explained the reasoning of the scriptures. But either way, that's when he established the church and it was built on relationship. It was built on imitation. His model of discipleship was caring for people. So flip over to 1 Thessalonians. There's a little background here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Same exact greeting. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 1. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. They were rooted in God, rooted in the Lord, uh, the Master, Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. Uh, Let me just read this first passage because this really helps explain the relationship that they had. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Okay, Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. They, they lived it out. They were a written, living letter. In verse 6, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. So can you imagine that? So this, if we had a map, and maybe I'll do a better job next time providing visuals for maps or something. If, but, but Macedonia and Achaia were kind of the northern and southern areas of Greece, and Thessalonica was, uh, was an important city, and the believers there had become an example an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report uh, concerning us the kind of reception. And so you get the idea. It's, it's built on relationships and their faith. They, they, in the midst of trials, they believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ And they started to live it out. And when you begin to live out your faith in a radical, Christ-exalting way, people notice. Because we're salt and light. And those things are distinctive. And people notice that. Light stands in contrast to darkness. And when you start to live as children of the light, people notice. And so Paul shares in chapter 2 that he shares not only the gospel but his very life. It's a shared gospel, but it's a shared life. The shared gospel invites his life to be shared, and his shared life um, authenticates and points back to the true gospel. And so this, this relationship, if we go back to 2 Thessalonians, was built through a shared life, a shared gospel one in which they imitated the life of Paul, the life of Timothy, the life of um, Silas. And 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians are kind of similar. They both deal with a lot of uh, future end-time events, the return of Jesus Christ. 
1 Thessalonians, don't be grieved. We're not like those who don't have hope. You know, Christ is coming back. Uh, he speaks about the day of the Lord. Our God is a, is a just God. He's going to come back to right all wrongs. But uh, the Thessalonians, they, they got that letter, which was written probably from Corinth, because Paul, when he was in Thessalonica, was persecuted. And they sent him away to Berea, and then from there he went to Athens while uh, Timothy and Silas stayed in Berea. And so uh, the, the, the Thessalonica, the area, the Jews there, the people there, the, it was an intense group of suffering and affliction. And yet the Lord blessed that group there uh, to continue to remain steadfast in the Lord. And so Paul is encouraging them again to, to remain steadfast. And so that relationship really undergirds both of these letters. And so they were in uh, the, the letters written, grace to you and peace from God our Father. They've experienced that grace. Paul has experienced that grace. You can imagine looking at his life, and he was a, a, a one who stood over and approved the murder of Christians, the stoning of Stephen. He was, uh, he was an enemy of God, like we all were, apart from knowing Christ Jesus. And his life was radically changed. And so he understood grace. He got grace. And he relayed that and showed that. If you get grace, then you give it to others. And sometimes the Lord convicts us of that. Sometimes we're good at receiving grace, but not good at giving it to others. And the Lord is growing us in that. Um, But it's also built on peace. He was an enemy of God, but now he's at peace with God and he's at peace with one another. And part of that, the gospel transforms people's lives. It brings people who are separate and it brings them together. Ephesians 2 speaks of Gentile and Jew. And, and now through Christ Jesus, they've been brought together as one. And so um, that's what's so encouraging, encouraging about the gospel is that through conflict, um, the gospel, we can live out the gospel and God can transform and forgive and bring people together. Um, so back to 2 Thessalonians. Three things I want to point out in these 12 verses. Uh, the first four verses, he's, gonna, he's going to give praise. It's really a thanksgiving, but it's all under the umbrella of praise. Secondly, he's going to give a promise. He's going to give a promise that Christ is coming back. And thirdly, he's going to give a prayer. So a praise, a promise, and a prayer. First is a praise. We are to be thankful to God for our growing faith and our increasing love. We're to be thankful to God for our growing faith and increasing love in the midst of whatever's going on in life. Here it was the midst of persecution and affliction. Verse 3 and verse 4. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. So Paul is thankful for their increasing love. It's, it's had a, uh, quite an effect on the people around them. So sometimes, uh, just because we live sort of near the Guadalupe, like you guys do out here in his hill, of course, but we go there uh, sometimes to throw rocks with my boys, and uh, sometimes I'll bring a fishing rod, and it's always funny because I'll cast the fishing rod out, and afterward, the boys get bored after a little while, especially if you don't catch fish. And, <laughs> um, we throw the pole in, set it down on the rock, and then, we, and then we come over here and just throw rocks, and sure enough, we look over there and... 
as soon as we put the pole down, then the bobber goes under, of course. But um, we're throwing rocks, and just to see the ripple effect on a still water is, is amazing and how it just, it, it just continues to go out. Um, and Paul is always telling the believers to continue to do that, continue to spread out, continue to grow in your faith and to increase your love to one to another and continue that. And he's thankful for that. And so um, there's two things. Your, your faith is growing and your love is increasing. And so that's one of the questions I want to ask you. You know, Paul is thankful for their faith growing and their love increasing. So as a church, as Bernie Bible Church, you know, is your faith growing? Where am I trusting God? What ministry has God called you to? So in order for our faith to grow, the Lord will move us in directions, oftentimes what we don't, that aren't always super easy. And we get a chance for, a, um, for our faith to be tested and tried, and then we grow. I know for my, my, my own self right now, I'm, I'm learning to do that. I've been learning to do that a lot more in the last year or two because my situation in my life changed um, just job-wise, trying to figure out what the Lord had for me. And I don't know if I've really shared that here before, but um, I, I, it's been a horrible time, but a great time because I've, I've been able to see the Lord um, really expose a lot of areas where I need to trust Him more. And so, you know, my ministry is... is is to encourage believers and to share the gospel with unbelievers so that they would be brought into the church so that we can build them up and send them out. But I also have a job. I've, I'm, I'm, I started a, a, a business, <laughs> a dog training business, so it's fun to tell people, what do you do? I'm a dog training pastor. I or I help dogs and I pastor, uh, I help at a bivocational church and I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to find out what job the Lord might have for me to do. And so obviously I don't want to just have a job. No one should just have a job. All of our jobs are hugely important because we, it's not just a job, it's not just a means of income, but it's a means to glorify God, to use our creativity, to use our gifts, to honor Him, to meet people, um, to proclaim the gospel, to serve them really, really well. Um, I don't know if this is going to work for me. I honestly don't. But I'm, I feel the Lord moving me in that direction. And I honestly have had probably more gospel conversations than I had um, been working at a church. So, uh, like full time in that, in that way. Because God puts you in different positions, whether it's you know, a job, doing whatever, um, God puts you in positions to be with people and to serve them really well. Um, he's also teaching me to trust Him when things don't, uh, when I don't have it all figured out. So I, sometimes I'm too much of a perfectionist, and um, I've got five kids now, and um, that's not necessarily a setup for perfection. <laughs> so um, we live in constant chaos, it seems like, but. Um, the Lord is, is really helping me along those lines. So I have an opportunity to trust Him more in these areas. And so what areas do you have? I just want to share that because these are areas that God is working on, on me. It's, and, and in my family, I want to be a radical, Christ-loving dad and wife. So, so what areas of your life, whether it's a grandfather, grandmother, uncle, brother, sister, um, friend to a neighbor... What areas can you grow in your love for one another? And what, what areas is the Lord 
moving you to, to bathe in prayer so that, that you can see if this is what God is calling you to do, a work of faith. So what, what, what areas are that for you? How's, how's your ministry? Too often in churches we get used to just being stagnant or going from um, program to program, but where is God calling you? Um, you know, as, as a church, where, what is your Acts kind of 1-8 direction? You know, Acts 1-8, uh, that the, the, um, the, the, the word of the Lord would move out um, and expand. So it's neat to think about Bernie Bible Church because you don't have to be here long to know that you guys are connected with a lot of mission organizations. And so... You know, just looking on the website, even last night, looking at all the different things you guys are connected to, and like that was mentioned earlier with Reach Across or Frontiers and these things. How are you involved? What is your ministry locally, nationally, internationally? You know, what's, how are you guys moving in a direction to continue that? And, and, and your ministry, you know, your ministry too can be your children right before your very eyes. It can be your neighbors that you meet every week. It can be... Um, those of you with a job who've got watching eyes and open ears daily. What might the Lord be calling you to move forward with? And sometimes it's not what we think. Sometimes we, we kind of pull a Jonah and say, I want this. As opposed to, Lord, the whole world is yours. Send me. And that... That may be going somewhere, it may maybe not, but being active in doing something. These are part of the things the Lord is teaching me to do, and so I want to encourage you to do that as well. And so Paul is thankful that the Thessalonians got that, and their faith is increasing, their love is growing for one another. So pray. Pray. Ask the Lord. And then do something. And as you do, abide in Christ, because you can't do anything apart from Him. Right. Um, so as we love one another, th- that's the other thing. Uh, our, our love for one another, the way we are unified as a church, is a witness to the unbelieving world. John 17 speaks of our unity with God and with one another. People will see that the Father has sent the Son by, by looking at that. And so, um, you know, there might... There, in this room, looking around, how can you love each other more? There may be a good chance that some of you um, have had conflict with one another. There might be a good chance that some of you have struggled with liking one another. And that's not bad to say that. It's, it, it, it needs to be dealt with um, and going to the Lord and asking him to help you continue to love one another more and more and more. There are like 60 plus love one another commands in the scriptures for a reason. And, and Paul and others continue to um, motivate us and encourage us to love one another, walk in love, demonstrate that out. Don't just say what we believe, but share our lives with one another. That faith in action So are you being faithful? Are you being steadfast uh, towards something? And so as we look at this passage, that is the, uh, that's the measurement for success. So the measurement for success for a church is, 
is not how many people you get. It's not um, how eloquent you speak. Um, it's not having the best website. Uh, it's not having the greatest stage. But it's about your faith and love. So Paul says, Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith. So this church was a model because of their steadfastness and their faith. In all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. So here's the deal. When ministry is done biblically and correctly, I'm convinced that for a lot of us, particularly in this culture where we live, I'm just kind of speaking on behalf of that or American culture, quite frankly, I think when ministry is done biblically and correctly, it's going to appear, get ready for this, it's going to appear boring to a lot of Christians. Because a lot of Christians just want a Sunday movie kind of experience where they come, the lights dim, they, they get the tickling of their ears, and then they leave. And that is not Christianity. We cannot be effective that way. And the Thessalonians got that. And Paul was encouraging them to continue in that. And he, as a proud father, he was exciting, excited because this was an example for us to follow. I need to see those examples. We all need to see those examples. Um, in my opinion, as I've met this church and this family, this is an example of that. And so, as Paul encouraged them to continue to do so, I want to encourage you guys to continue to do so. Continue to love one another. Continue to be an example in doing that. Um, continue to build one another. Continue to send one another out as, as servants of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of persecution. Because following Christ is not easy. Um, he says that we, or Paul says that we're destined for it. The suffering of believers, this is the promise, shows the worthiness that they've been called to. So the first was the praise, thanksgiving that their faith and love increased. The second is the promise. And the promise is that the suffering of believers shows the worthiness that they've been called to. The suffering of believers shows the worthiness that they've been called to as they await the glorious return of Jesus Christ. So verse 5, this is, the evidence of, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God. So how is, how is that? How is this the evidence of the righteous judgment of God? Well, it's because their lives are rooted in Christ. So it reflects the fact that God is right in His judgment. This is evidence of their new life in Christ. The fact that these people can find joy in God and make much of Him through suffering proves that they are the real deal, that they are connected in Christ. And they, they love to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. Um, early in Acts, they were, they were um, excited to suffer for the name of, of Christ. And throughout this book, they were, you're called to walk in a manner worthy of, of Christ in the midst of suffering. And that was the question at the beginning. Are you worthy? Are you worthy? Are you worthy? Yes, you're worthy. Because in Christ, He is worthy. Revelation 5 says, He, he alone is worthy. Uh, so this is the evidence 
of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. So your faith in Christ, 1 Peter 1 speaks of your faith, um, it speaks of your living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by, by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so one day we're going to look back, and, and it's all going to be because of, of God's grace. But one day um, we're going to be able to Glory in Christ Jesus as we arrive in the presence of God at his return. And no matter the suffering, and I believe, especially here in America, the suffering is going to get more and more, um, that we will have opportunity to trust more and more. Sometimes I don't think we suffer as much because we don't move as much. But also I think suffering and affliction can be the evil one trying to to sway us away from from trusting and living out our calling in our everyday life. Verse 6, Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. So when Jesus Christ comes back, and this is part of some of the things that, that Paul is clearing up in this second letter because there was some confusion on the return of Christ and the day of the Lord, and he's clearing up some things. But when he comes back, two things are going to happen. There's going to be relief for those who are suffering, and there's going to be a repayment. God's going to repay them. He's going to... The tables will turn. He will, bring, um, he will fully uh, repay those who who hate him, who are enemies of the gospel. He will have the last word. Unbelievers are enemies of God because they don't love God. Uh, Their actions reflect their love and hence their judgment to come. And so, hence the the passage, whoever saves their life will lose it. Um, Whoever loses their life will gain it. And so we have an opportunity as believers to, um, to invest into people's lives, whether it's Muslims that was spoken of earlier um, or our neighbors, whoever it might be, because uh, Christ is coming back. And it's a very loving thing to, to speak to people about the return of Christ. Um, and judgment will be coming. Uh, it says, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes when I hear about the return of Christ, it's kind of a, a wake-up call for me. Like, like am I moving am I, or am I just stagnant? Am I just walking through life? And so that's, it's helpful to read the Revelation because it's kind of like a, a motivator. Like, he's coming back. What am I, what am I doing? It'll, it'll be his second lap, a victory lap, but there will be judgment involved. In verse 9, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. So this isn't just an annihilation. This isn't just something that's going to fade away into eternity. There's a real suffering for your sins that will happen for eternal eternity. Um, 
This is the penalty. This is the, uh, the eternal destruction. This is a reality for those who don't know Christ. So just think about it for a moment. What would it be like to not experience or to know God, to be separated from Him for eternity? It's real, but we have an antidote. We have someone who has uh, been made available so that we can be saved and, and not suffer the wrath to come. And it's found in Jesus Christ. And it's the person of Jesus Christ. And so, um, yes, I'm not huge on um, scaring people into hell. In fact, I'm not big on that at all. But I am huge on speaking the truth to people. Because how awful would it be, um, like, like the man in Luke who looked up out of Hades and, and, and needed someone to dip uh, cool water so that he could be relieved. Um, how awful would it be for someone to not know Christ and to have just wished that you would have told them? And we have an opportunity to tell people about, about the reality of judgment, but also the salvation that God has given. And it's not just so they can get out. It's not just a get-out-of-jail-free card. I, I, I told my kids the other day that it's kind of like, like if you were lost in the woods, if they were lost in the woods and they got separated from their dad and someone came and found them, and brought them out of the woods, back into civilization, uh, would they be fine? They were separated from their dad, they were lost in the woods, but someone helped them out of the woods, brought them back to their house, would they be okay? And they said no. And why would they not be okay? Because they're still not with their dad. And so to be brought out of the woods, out of our lostness, the lostness is not just, it's not just not being able to go to heaven, it's being separated from our Father. And so we, we get to tell people about Christ because it brings people back to the Father. And it, it's, it's because our testimony has, has meaning. The story that God has given us has meaning. It says in verse 10, "...when He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed." And so I'm here to tell you and encourage you that your testimony, your story is incredible. There, anybody, that has, anybody that's been saved by Jesus Christ has an incredible story to tell. You have a message to tell. You have a story to proclaim that Christ died for your sins and He rose from the grave. There's victory in Jesus Christ. I was encouraged last night um, and kids encourage me in the, the, the smallest ways, but they're the, really the biggest ways. Um, but I have a window where I kind of have my study in one of my rooms, in one of the rooms in our house. And um, one of my sons uh, gives me little drawings of things, and I like to put it on the window where the sun comes in and it kind of highlights the pictures. It could just be a cross or an empty tomb. And th- those things, I, 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 they're encouraging because that's, that's what I need to see. I need, I need to be reminded of the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, over and over and over. But I looked up there last night, and um, it just said, uh, one of my son's names is Cove, and, uh, C-O-V-E, and it, it just said, Cove's Bible. And I, it had a little flip thing, and I, I flipped it up, and it was just a cross uh, with a little, you know, I guess a Jesus figure on it. And, and I was like, that's it. You know, that, that, that's, that's the gospel. And the resurrection. He's no longer there. He's risen. And that's the message that I have that I can proclaim to people. And so 
Um, when it comes down to it, all of this talk, is our love increasing? Is our faith growing? Are we moving? Are we going? Yes, those are good questions. Um, but it just comes back down to the fact that did we get it? Do we, did we, did we, are we saved in Christ? Because if we are, if we put our faith in Him, um, we believe upon the Lord Jesus, we have the Son, we have life. And we can share that with people. And so in ending verse 11 and verse 12, Paul ends with a prayer. So he's, he began with a praise. He, he, he continued with a promise. And he ends with a prayer. Verse 11, uh, we are to pray that God make us worthy of his calling. And here's verse 11. He says, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So I don't know what that is for you, for you individually and as a church, but, but we need to ask those questions because God has put us each in a different place in this Texas Hill Country and we meet, y'all meet together collectively. Uh, what resolve, what work of faith has God put on your heart that you need to pray and, and, and move on? Verse 12, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord indeed is faithful. And he's about our sanctification and his glory. Are we praying for one another as Paul prays for the Thessalonians? In order to pray for each other, some, you know, that means we're going to have to spend time with each other. So just encouraging you guys, spend time with each other, get to know each other, uh, find out things that you can pray for. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. One day will be marveled at by all. In Philippians 2, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And we're going to share in His glory as believers. And so... Um, in conclusion, is the word of the Lord speeding ahead, as Paul says, in your life? You, you, like Paul, have been entrusted with the gospel. Are you proclaiming it? Are you living it out? Who can you love more? What area of your life can you trust God more in? I'm going to conclude with... Just reading sort of a benediction in 2 Thessalonians. Go to the last chapter. So there's three chapters. Um, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 13 and following. I'm just going to read this as kind of, a, kind of a conclusion and kind of see Paul's heart and where he's going with this. Chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, verse 13 and following. It says, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this He called you through our gospel. So there's your calling. Your calling is your sanctification. You've been set apart because of your belief in the truth. You've, you've all been called in Christ Jesus. If you put your faith in Christ, you are one of His. You've been called. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. 
Now may our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. So that's every good work in your job, with your wife, at home, with your neighbors. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, that, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, um, we do ask that, that you would direct our hearts, that you would uh, guide us and direct our hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Help us to remain firm. God, we know that you are growing your believers. That's that's what you do. You grow your children. Just like our physical children need nourishment to grow, uh, you've given us your word that we might long for it to grow. And we know for that to um, we, we know that you put us in positions where, where, where things aren't always easy. Maybe it's persecution, affliction. Maybe it's things in our life that, 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 um, that aren't necessarily the way we thought it would go this year or the next year. And so I pray, Lord, that during those times um, that you would grow our faith, that you would increase our love, and that you would help us to remain steadfast. Father, we love you and pray all this uh, to your glory in Jesus Christ. Amen.